0: Edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again I am bring you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in the genre, but had their life changed by it in a major way. And today on the show, not one, but two amazing guests. We have Charday and Greg from Not Dead Yet, and Greg also plays in shit. And is a Juno-nominated filmmaker, too. But anyway, we'll get into all that in a second. But first, if you want to get in touch with me, head over to DamienAbraham.com, and you'll find an email address there. You can get in touch with me through that. You can also go over to various forms of social media and look me up, at Lefford Damien, if I'm on there. That will be my name. Uh, You can also go over to Facebook.com, and you can like the Turned Out a Punk Facebook page. It's run by my brother, Tristan Abraham. And you send him a message, he'll get the message to me. Um, and we can respond accordingly, or hopefully, or get to it on the show, or something like that. You can also do me a huge favor, and if you do use iTunes, you can subscribe to this podcast, and you can rate it and write a review. And if you want to support this show, and you don't use iTunes, and you or you just don't want to do that, just tell your friends about it. Let people know if you enjoy this show, and, and spread the word, and let them know that you like it. And hopefully, you do like it. And if not. Eh, too bad it's free, so just don't listen anymore. Uh, also, if you do use iTunes, you will see in the feed there are a couple other podcasts that are involved in this thing. You can also get them if you don't use iTunes as well on on Audio Boom. But there is Turned Out of Punk Footnotes, which is hosted by myself and my good friend Chris O'Toole, and each week we uh, dissect and and kind of you know go deep into a Turned Out of Punk episode and kind of, you know, try and, uh, try and cut to the, 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 the juicy bits that are in each episode as best that we can. And, uh, there's also clobbering time, which is hosted by myself and, uh, well, actually mainly hosted by Tom Bryan and I co-host it. And each week we look at pro wrestling and talk about professional wrestling and have guests on from the world of music. And we'll talk to them about pro wrestling because if you're a fan of wrestling, you know that you just want to hear more about it constantly. So we are doing that for you right now with Clobbering Time. Uh, and uh, if you want to see more of me, you can go to you know Vice.com. I do videos on there, do articles on Vice, so check out some of the stuff that's over there. Also, uh, go to fuckedup.cc and check out Fucked Up. We've got some shows coming up with the Descendants, playing some Riot Fests, playing... Uh, Hamilton Supercrawl, a bunch of stuff. So go to fuckedup.cc and there's shows on there. And you can see all about that stuff. I think that's it. I think that's it. We should move on to the show. Today on the show, it's a huge guest. Two people I've wanted to have on for a long time. Chardé uh, Hardy and Greg Benedetto. Two people that have done so much for the city of Toronto. in Especially in the last few years. Um, both of them have done stuff for... Their respective scenes for years. Uh, Jardet did shows in Winnipeg and and I've man helped run a, a awesome record spot there and all that sort of thing. And Greg, you know, has done shows with Stuck in the City and all that stuff. But over the last few years, they started putting together a festival with some other people helping out, of course, as well, called Not Dead Yet, and it's kind of become one of the preeminent DIY punk festivals. I I don't know in the world that might be a bold statement I'm a little out of touch to be saying that but You know you can't deny that They always put together an unbelievably Cool lineup of bands from all over the world That really do reflect A uh, DIY Ethos and a a DIY approach To punk rock and uh, Yeah like I respect the shit out of them And hopefully that comes across in this episode They're also two really good friends Two people that are awesome to talk to So this is a fun 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 episode it's a long one but hopefully you enjoy listening to it as much as I did making it, because it is a great episode. So everyone, please sit back, relax, and enjoy Charde and Greg on Turned Out a Punk. All right. Greg, Charde, thank you so much for taking the time. And sorry, what's... what's, what's Mouse. Uh, mouse. Mouse, thank you for letting me come over too. Mouse is a, oh. Mouse <laughs> a, acknowledge, that's will be the last time. I acknowledge you, I promise. Um, but no, this has been, a, as we've said just before, there's been a long time that I've been trying to make this happen because I think you two have kind of uh, done so much to make this city so fucking awesome in the last couple years. And uh, I've known both of you separately. Like over 10 years at this point, I think. I was trying to think when I met both of you for the first time. I remember being in the van with you and Iron Age one time. I don't even remember that. We were going to go pick something up for Iron Age. I'm not going to incriminate anyone on anything. (laughs) I was trying to remember the first time we met.
1: I don't know the first time we met, but I think the first time I distinctly remember us becoming friends is... You stayed at my house. Yeah, in Winnipeg. In Winnipeg, and we bonded over not liking the Clash.
2: Yes, (laughs) (laughs) there are no Clash records in this house. You, you know, you don't like them either. Yeah, it's kind of.
0: I think it's like so. It's funny when you meet someone who's like super passionate about them because I think now. Almost like passive indifference is the general feeling amongst people.
1: What makes me the most mad about The Clash is anytime you encounter someone who's not actually a punk, the first thing they go, oh, you like punk? Oh, you like The Clash, right? Like that's the first assumption out of everything is that you like The Clash. and 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 they're so mad when you say you don't because it's...
0: The best, the best moment I had of that ever was we were on that Foo Fighters tour, and I'm not going to say which member, but some member of the band didn't like The Clash, and we had this great conversation. And then Jonah, drunkenly, the next day, goes up to Chris Shiflett from uh, No Use for a Name, and he's like, yo, don't you hate The Clash? And just starts going on, and Chris just rolls up his sleeve to reveal a Clash tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, I don't fucking hate The Clash. <laughs> Uh, but we're not here to talk about them. We're to talk about <laughs> both of you. And I kind of was like, how do we do it? How do we divide the punk story? Because, you know, who goes first? Do we do alphabetical? No, Sharday goes first. You go first?
1: Because I've been punk longer. That's true. I was,
0: was going to say, I didn't <laughs> want to assume anything, but I was going to say, we probably would go with experience. It's, I was going to give Our it to the Juno I'm nominee sure. over here. <laughs> yeah. <though. laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's I know. True. I'm not making it up. I'm not. You know. It's fact. You're an award nom- Award nominated filmmaker. Both of us. Well, I'm. i I'm. I, I'm award nominated twice. <laughs> Never again, <laughs> so, though. I don't think they're ever gonna ever nominate me again. <laughs> But you could win again. You could be nominated again.
2: I, I feel like probably that ship sailed. Well, I, I think you're selling yourself <laughs> short. But let's move on. They're
1: getting pretty desperate for like, any content for the Junos, so maybe. <laughs> maybe.
0: Maybe. Yeah, Best DIY out. punk festival in Canada.
2: Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Actually, there's a
0: music industry award thing now. that more just festivals.
2: avoid all that stuff.
0: Yeah, but sometimes it finds you. You can try very hard to avoid it. And then yeah. some, next thing you know, you're like, how the fuck did I wind up in this room? Yeah.
1: yeah it's like, like, it's happened when, a few times. When the Junos 2018 are held in Iqaluit and <laughs> <laughs> then you're going to be watching on TV and hear that you won an award. <laughs> or
0: just like all of a sudden they teleport you there. You're like, I didn't
2: want to come to I this. didn't know it's just a here. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Well, then in that case. Oh my God. <laughs> okay,
2: it's not me that's being drowned at though. at least. <laughs> Mouse? <laughs> okay, I think he's going to calm down. <laughs>
0: I'm just scared because I got bit by that wolf dog that I was telling you. She's about. not going to bite She'll you. She'll it. just
1: growl and bark, but not specifically at you. Right now, just she's don't. just moaning because she's not getting what she wants, so she might be more punk tail. All. She's
0: definitely, definitely. Well, that'll be the third guest on the show today. So yeah, yeah, yeah. how'd you get into punk? Do
1: you um, remember the first
0: time you came across the genre?
1: I don't recall the first time I came across the genre. I grew up in small town Saskatchewan and was just born a true freak. So um, I just liked extreme music and I, I was probably listening to when I was very young at like listening to like Rage Against the Machine or something and so when we would drive into the big city of Saskatoon, I would go by like compilations mm-hmm. you know and so i would just like discover punk bands from whatever hopeless records compilation like hopeless even victory it was a mix it was like oh, victory records compil it was just like a whole mix of stuff and this would have been like 90s like late 90s mm-hmm. um so just kind of through that and then the first shows that i went to in saskatoon were these mixed bag punk shows of bands like did you hear that name, Junto?
0: No, I was going to say because I can't I, think of too many Saskatoon
2: bands.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there was like...
2: Lots of grinds. DFA. Uh, DFA, yeah. and so
1: those were the first shows. It would be like a mixed bag of were like Hundo and DFA playing and then a grindcore band and I, I experienced a lot of grindcore shows. <laughs> yeah. And I wouldn't say that I listened to a lot of grindcore but I those were the shows that I went to. It was
0: imposed on. You. It was
1: imposed on me so I've always had this like mixed bag of taste because <laughs> I kind of just would go to whatever or listen to whatever I could Mm -hmm. because I had limited options
0: (laughs) well that's what the thing I remember when the DFA demo kind of circulated and I think it was in Maxim Rock and Roll and they described themselves as being influenced by AFI And it was like something else that did not sound like how raging they kind of wound up sounding as a band for that time period, too.
1: My good friend Tyson always brings up this band from Saskatoon that was like, they are the benchmark for like the coolest band from Saskatoon in punk, and it was this band D-Control. And if you go to any record store anywhere in the dollar bin, you could probably find (laughs) a D-Control record. But they were like so cool, and I don't even know that much about them. But someone said that maybe m- members of a Nepsy were in that band. Really, this might be just be like crazy prairie talk. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But they like, you know, they had like all the same like kind of like discharge art on their covers, and they were like oh, this man, DB gotta, band. Like, what year is
0: that? Like early nineties, I guess. Or yes, yeah,
1: so I'm, I'm not sure. I probably have an LP somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, I gotta check that out because honestly. I was, like, DFA, the extroverts, but, like, Saskatchewan is, like, one of those places that I have a little bit of a, a lack of knowledge on. Yeah. Certainly. and yeah. so But, like, what brought you to, like, those comps, like, when you were going there from Rage Against the Machine? Like, was it just, like, the art, or was it just...
1: I think it was just, oh, I want to hear something new.
0: Yeah, and they were cheap, too, I remember. They
1: were... That was the other thing. It's, like, you could get hear a lot of different bands yeah. for, like... Nine ninety nine. dollars yeah, That's like
0: 50 cents a band.
1: Exactly. Place. It was a good deal. Um, anyway, and then one of those comps probably had like distillers on it or something. I was like, this girl sounds so gnarly. This band is so sick. Immediately went and got some gelatin. Had Liberty Spikes. <laughs> and that was my life in small town Saskatchewan. So were there like touring bands coming through? Well, like- in that time, like early 2000s, there were. Yeah. And unbeknownst to me, they mostly were Christian hardcore bands. But because they were like hardcore bands, I was like, oh, this is sick. It's heavy. It's extreme. Like, this is cool. It was that or grindcore. Like, there was nothing else other than that.
2: That was the time. That was the the
1: time, so. Well,
0: I guess it was also proximity to Winnipeg, too, and that was like a huge scene in Winnipeg.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, it would be either, like, Edmonton. Yeah. So, you know, like, we would see a lot of, like, the Edmonton punks would come through, and we'd see them, or we'd drive to, like, Regina to see, like, bigger shows, and uh, I didn't start going to Winnipeg till later. Like, I probably started... I moved to Winnipeg in two thousand four.
0: Oh no, no, I meant I meant sorry, those bands they oh, f- yeah. coming they must have been touring out from that place or were there.
1: Yes and are, no, but it's there? so you have to think though, yeah, so. it's so far. Like every city is yep. like five hours, eight hours, like everything is so far away.
0: I definitely so. have done those drives now so I can appreciate it a lot more than I did prior to that. Yeah. <laughs> and
1: I didn't drive. I still don't know how to drive. Um thirty years old, but I, I
0: wish I could say that, convince,
1: too. <laughs> I would try to, like, convince friends to get into punk so that I had some, like, camaraderie in this town. Like, my high school was, like, 200 people. <laughs> Doesn't
2: everyone do that when they're a teenager, too, though? It's yeah, like you just gotta convince, to like,
1: people to join your crew and also friends with driver's license so yeah. they could like, drive you to punk shows.
0: Yeah, that's why I hated the Tragic the Hip because that was, like, the competing force. <laughs> like, of, like, who people were into. <sighs> yeah, like, uh, you could be into punk, and they'd be like, yeah, yeah but there's this stuff. That's, you
1: know. Yeah. Well, when I for me it wasn't like you could be into punk. It was like that, or you're into like S Club Seven. Yeah. For my age group, anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So at that point, I guess like when you did kind of start going to, to shows and kind of like finding a scene, what like what was this? Actually, was there a scene beyond sort of these like hodgepodge kind of shows that were being put on or?
1: not really I yeah. think like later on it became like a scene of like people who were like scene the scene you know like mm-hmm. like scenesters metalcore hardcore that kind of stuff like, yeah. but that was brief and <laughs> yeah, yeah and embarrassing mostly it's <laughs> like
2: it was the same thing where I was growing up it like 1999 2000 2001 it's just like basically anybody who like fell weirdly into the post 90s world of punk was on a show together. There wasn't like, a... well, yeah. How did you get into punk then? What do you um, remember the first time you came across? I I absolutely remember the first time I got into like DIY, which was like like punk. well we can't we can't do the come on Greg we got to peel back the layers this is turned out a punk no 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 well I mean in this sense where it was like I remember the first time somebody handed me a flyer and they're like this is a punk band yeah and it was at like a friend from grade school's birthday party before we were all going to high school like her brother's wow. band played. In her backyard. Do you remember like, the band? What it was called? they are called 10 Speed Hero.
0: Did they do anything?
2: Did they they like... did like a shitty CD on some record <laughs> label in Brampton. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then from there, somebody handed me a flyer. And that flyer, and the person who handed me that flyer, like I'm still friends with that person. And they, the flyer was for Monique. Yeah. And like they were like the band in Brampton. Yeah. And it was this, it, I didn't see them for like another year probably after I got that flyer. And it was like some shitty nineties like computer art kind of thing. But it kind of got me into this world of like, oh, there's shows at this church every once a month. Like it was some guy who was like a drummer in the church Mm -hmm. band who convinced them to let him do punk shows. And the band that played like every single show was this band, Dylan Dog, who were like basically like stealing riffs from like Screeching Weasel and Marilyn's Vitamins. And like they played all the Dylan Dog? Dylan Dog. I do not know that band. Oh, buddy, <laughs> you stole me <laughs> on some. Well, Brampton I feel past. like I feel like growing up in Brampton weirdly is like just as strange as growing up in the prairies. Like I, don't I feel know. like the experience. Well, no,
0: so I mean th-
1: we both saw Rammers. So. Yeah,
0: true. <laughs> you know, you probably both saw another Joe and Gob. or something. Oh yeah, like, <laughs> just like awful, awful stuff. But, but I, but I guess like that's the thing. I, but Brampton had like you know it's a weird scene and it's definitely a diversity. I guess same with. Too. What you're experiencing was a diverse, weird scene as well. Um, yeah, Brampton. It's 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 like Moonin' in the end. Two bands that are very close, yeah. friends wise, and at a time. I don't know yeah. if still they are, but I imagine
2: yeah. they still be. But like they don't sound anything alike. No. But that
1: was they like, would that play was the shows world. together. Presumably yeah. Yeah. that was
2: yeah. the world. It was like it was like it was. Mm, in my head, and it certainly is not the case in retrospect, but in my head it was, like, the politics that drew everybody together. Mm-hmm. You know, like, back then, like, you'd have a guy, and there's there's a guy, I think he's still, I, I saw Monine play a secret show in Brampton this year, and he was still set up with a table of, like, counterculture books. Like, Noam Chomsky and, like, Howard Zinn books and, like, you know... This, this, uh, steal this book Fucking, all those, like The AK press catalog Yeah, like, like, like Crime thing stuff Yeah That he's basically Always stole from chapters And then would sell <laughs> that at was that in, in
1: Saskatoon also Yeah, it's,
2: it was like That was the thing And like, so it's like This is, everyone's here Because of this And then like the next step Like, which is This is really funny Because I'm from Brampton She actually lived in Winnipeg Guess which one of us Likes propaganda. You don't like Propaganda? Oh, we've talked about this
1: before. You know, when I was a teenager, okay. First of all, I told my friend that I was coming on this podcast, and he's like, "He's gonna talk to you about Propaganda." Like, well, I was, I was, I was I'm gonna
0: let you lead this. Oh, I'm afraid Greg opened the door.
1: <laughs> I I liked Propaganda a lot when I was growing up, and I saw them a lot. Yeah, you know, like they were like the band, and they were one of the first records I ever bought, and. But I just... I don't have room for them in my life
2: now. <laughs> okay. See, whereas I'm gonna, like, say insane shit, like, the Todd songs on the, like, three records following today's empires are, like, if you put that all on one record, you are like, one of the best hardcore records of the 2000s.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, like, I definitely, <laughs> as... I, you know, have a soft spot for them, but I could, you know, I could totally see that. There's bands that you grow up seeing too much, and D- you just...
2: Fuck the Border is one of the best Canadian hardcore songs, full stop. I... That's my opinion. It's extreme. Well, I have,
0: honestly, you're talking to someone who thinks I Spy is one of the best bands ever. So, and I was okay, gonna say, go. what about I Spy? <laughs> yeah, what about I Spy? What about I Spy? Do you give it a time I Spy's cool.
1: I've no nostalgia for I Spy.
0: Whoa! Like, not like you don't like them? Or just a nostalgia for on them? Just
1: nothing, just nothing. Okay, okay. understandable.
0: You know? Man, you have talked me on that yeah. one. <laughs> what about the weaker then's though? You're a huge weaker then. Oh, tannels. absolutely
1: not. But I went to this high school where at grad they were like trying to get a band. It was like a artsy kind of high school, my final year of high school, and they were like, they everyone there was obsessed with weaker thens, yeah. and they were like, We gotta get them to play our after grad party. And I was like, Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. It's just like no,
2: you didn't help them
1: out? I used to work at this. Bard, the Royal Albert, and, you know, Propaganda would play there and stuff, and I just, when I was, like, 15, I thought they were super cool, and, and I really stood for everything they were singing about, and I still think they're a good band, but I just, I don't love them the way that Greg loves Propaganda.
2: Yeah, but, like, I mean, well, my love for Propagandhi certainly waned, but, like, I think of a record like Today's Empires, Tomorrow's Ashes and that was like that must have came out it must have been like grade 9 or grade 10 so it's like 14 or 15 and I got like it's one of those profound moments you know where you're like you get this thing and you immediately connect with it like, yeah. like you you open the liner notes to that CD and it's like it's, it sounds so goofy when I say it out loud but it's like there's like a reading list and there's like oh, no. they're writing about like all the politics behind the songs and like they're exposed like as a kid they're exposing you to this whole foreign idea that like hey there's other people in the world and because of the way that the world around you works they're suffering yeah and it's it's an idea that like once you start to kind of like go back like peel the layers back is like you know that's crass like that 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 this very spirit of that but it's like it it was the first instance where I was like faced with it and it kind of like blew my head off you know The
1: one thing that's so crazy to think about is when we grew up because we're both around early 30s I'm 30 he's 31 is how we were like so close to the internet age but so far away from it so like Mm -hmm. when we were getting into punk like I remember the how I found out about a lot of bands was because I would just hang around this like tattoo shop with these guys and you know they're playing Discharge and I was like this sounds like Motorhead, it's so cool. (laughs) And they're like, it's discharge. And I was like, oh wow. And then they like show me Chrome eggs and they show me like all these guys, um, Pat and Graham, they were brothers and they were very cool. And they showed me a lot of stuff. But it's like, that is the only way that I found out about stuff or through CD compilations.
0: But that's, like, I kind of thought, like, you know, people always say, it's so much easier now, it's so much better now. But it's, like, it's a lot harder when everything's there.
2: It just changes the game completely. Like, we're still, obviously, really involved. There's no finding a band like Gizm anymore. Yeah. It's, like, they're the biggest band on the planet. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, when I was probably, I think I probably found out about them, I must have been, like, 20, 21. And it was, like, what the fuck is this? And, yeah. it, again, it's, like, another one of those moments where you're, like, I need to know everything about this. And kids now are, like, 15, 16, and they're, like, gizm, whatever, yeah, cool. Yeah. But they haven't heard – they haven't heard of, like, I don't know, stuff that happened, like, five or six years ago. Like, but the we're thing talking is they about don't care. jams with the kids now because they, they haven't heard but it. They don't,
1: most <laughs> of them don't care. They just care about, like, what's happening now. And yeah. that's what's happening yeah. is there's so much amazing shit, but, like
0: – It's also, like, there's, there's like – now that you can see... Like, if you had punk presented to you in, like, a platter and you saw Gizm and you're like, wow, look at that aesthetic on that record yeah. compared to this crap, yeah. like, you would naturally just gravitate <laughs> towards that.
1: But I wonder, like, would you? Like, if you had never heard punk today and someone presented you this platter, like, who knows what you would gravitate to? No, but I think that would Maybe be... Maybe you would like the clash in No, no, like, <laughs> no, I won't.
0: <laughs> <There> <laughs> You probably would no.
2: Especially <laughs> okay, now, uh, I look at it from a completely different perspective. I was like, "Well, I can understand no, like the social context of the clash." Yeah, uh, I mean, kids today
0: though, I think like if you're presented with like a, a, a bunch of you can pick any music throughout history, but here's this band where the lead singer torched the audience with a flamethrower one yeah. time, and threw a saw into the crowd allegedly one time, yeah, and, and fired like, blanks po- into a crowd, yeah, poisoned the water one time, and yeah. all these all these amazing stories that you hear, and then you see their art. And it looks so cool. I think that would be in such a natural hook for you. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it doesn't sound that extreme because we're in a world post Gizum where like the Melv not actually not the Melvin, but Poison Idea was influenced by the by Gizum. Yeah. So it's like we we've heard the influence now, but you're right, like it's uh, it's definitely interesting now to see what what you would want to listen to.
1: Yeah, and now you can see what all your friends and your peers like and yeah. listen to, and there's no way as a teenager you're not influenced by that. Mm-hmm. But before when you're just, in our day, cause we're all old, um, you're just a loner trying to figure out what you like.
2: There's yeah.
1: l- way less influence. And I'm sure, you know, I definitely was influenced to be like, oh, okay, these peers who like this kind of hardcore, like, I'm gonna like that too because then I can hang out with these people or whatever. And then you get older and you're like, I don't have to like what you like.
2: And it, it kind of doesn't, you,
0: you don't, I guess you don't have to pick, you know, like you said, you had to hang around that tattoo shop because that's the point of information. Like, yeah. or you had to hang around this that was record the internet. store. Yeah, that was the internet. But now you you can, you're kind of not at the mercy of where you can cut, you don't, I wonder if you have to pick a side as much now. Like, I wonder if yeah. you'd have to be like, I'm a goth person because if I don't hang out with the other goths, I'm not going to find out this It cool doesn't music. exist anymore.
2: Yeah. It doesn't, it absolutely doesn't exist anymore. And it's like, uh, I, I don't like a kids. Not even that. There's so much of like what you grew up with. Like I, the first time I heard Madball was on a compilation CD. Mm-hmm. It was like Punkorama Seven or something like that. They they had like just put out Hold It Down. Yep. heard that song and I was like, this Ash. is sick. <laughs> yeah, had that compilation. But like, and it wasn't just it wasn't just it wasn't just <laughs> compilation CDs. You'd also have like shit like Hatebreed. Like they signed to Universal or whatever, and their CDs are like nine ninety nine. Yep. It's like I'll check that out. I got mm-hmm. ten bucks. Like
1: or I know you did last summer soundtrack Typo Negative Covering Summer <laughs> Bruce.
2: Oh really is that Oh that track's heavy I've got to go back The Crow soundtrack it, a, oh, Also, the Crow soundtrack has Pan- Is it yeah. Pantera doing Poison Ivy yeah. yeah They do the badge on that yeah. And it
1: has yeah. Nige Nails doing Joy Division
0: yeah, that's right. That's a crazy but awesome story.
1: Typo negative doing summer breeze.
2: You yeah, actually like yeah. a summer breeze. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It sounds exactly like that. Like you just <laughs> nailed it. It, it. But it's like hard as fuck. Oh, it's, it's like awesome. Yeah. But it's <laughs> uh, it was it was just like it's a completely different environment. There's one so like after getting into certain things and like getting like the the like punkarama compilations from like the HMV on Queen Street or whatever, it's uh, the, the next thing for me like growing up in Brampton there was actually a guy who worked at the HMV in the mall there who's again I know you're gonna bring up G-Money yep yeah. and G-Money I think he I thought re- you were G-Money oh, no I'm not G-Money this no. is the, well this is ex- actually g money I'm sure you would've you probably met him yeah he, at some point anyways he the dude is a living legend and he's he's certainly one of those like lots of people will be like oh the guy at the record store got me into all this stuff yeah it's and I always think weirdly I maybe think, oh, I never got that experience. Like, I would go down to rotate and be too afraid to talk to anyone after school. You know what I mean? And it was when Zoe worked there. That was like my first, like, Zoe, who's like a good friend of ours, known her for years. The f- I remember the first time I saw Zoe, she was behind the counter, rotate this, and I was like, she's gonna kill me. Yep. <laughs> and. Anyways, go... Can you imagine on. a store being like that now?
1: Yeah, like, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Brian like, Taylor's still... Still, dead. like... oh you know, he's
0: still like that. But even he's friendlier now. Yeah, because, yeah, like, like, you couldn't be... Like, yeah, you couldn't burp in someone's face and tell them to leave your store in 2016.
2: <laughs> no. Like, people, well, I mean, like, I think I think he kind of restrains himself and now posts it on Facebook. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> but we now have
0: all have an outlet. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> but, um... And I, but I love that. I love that thing about going to that record store. Like I, I can't downplay it because it makes you feel like you're entering this like private world. It makes you want it more. But in in this HMV, like G Money is that unsung hero because he, I think, was one of the only stores like this in the entire chain where he was like, I'm gonna put a punk and hardcore section mm-hmm. in here, and I'm gonna order stuff like. Gorilla Biscuits and Agnostic Front and Madball and whatever the new bands are that like kids are into that Victory's putting out like he had the Shutdown CD or whatever other like Bad 18 Visions like like all sorts of random shit that that like this day and age those bands don't have that. And in the
1: CD Plus in Winnipeg, there was actually an enti- in one location an entire room closed off to the rest of the CD store that was just like extreme music, like hardcore and metal and punk. That's sick. And it was the whole entire, it was like the size of a store.
0: But there was like, was there a point where there was, because you had that, there was that punk store that you um, v- volunteered at that was-
1: War on Music. War on yeah. Music.
0: But was there a place before War on Music too, like that closed down at a certain point? Like it was mm. maybe in that. I remember that there was a like cooperative space that did shows there. Was there the a store?
1: co-op space that did shows that yeah, was right
0: across from the CD Plus, I think.
1: Mm, I'm not familiar cause I only moved there in 2004, so.
0: Maybe that I would have thought it was that, but maybe it was earlier. Than that. Yeah. So when did you move to? When you moved to Winnipeg, what were you just like?
1: You know, I was, it was just with the bigger, yeah, bigger, better things, and I was like hardcore scene so sick there, yeah. and it was pretty crazy, like the punk and hardcore scene in Winnipeg was crazy like bands would actually come through right because arts it was, in general
0: I think you want it just is-
1: arts in general it's a place of isolation so people create their own stuff mm-hmm. but also you know it's close enough to a city like Minneapolis which is also isolated so like they will come bands would come up and mm-hmm. whatever and also it was in the time when um, Comeback Kid was just Becoming massive and say whatever people will say about them, they were bringing bands to Winnipeg and they were the only band doing that, you know. So, um, yeah, I had great time.
0: And they were traveling for shows too, because I remember meeting those.
1: Yeah, everywhere. Days. Before,
0: yeah. like even the band blew up in Toronto, they came down to see you know, yeah a show or something.
1: Yeah, they they toured a lot, and I think they still tour. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Yeah but they yeah there was i remember there was this mr article that came out a while ago and it's this band it was either what are they called there's clorox yeah clorox girls and red Dawns and they were like on tours like a tour diary and they're talking about how winnipeg was like the craziest pl- place on tour because the show had like 200 300 people at it yeah and it's just punks and it, I don't know where they came from, where they went, like whatever, but shows used to just be crazy there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's nothing else to do.
0: And I guess like you had Under Pressure. Yeah. yeah who are probably the best Japanese hardcore other than Selfish, not from Japan.
2: I, love, <laughs> I always thought they were so sick. We were just in Winnipeg for a punk festival. Yeah. This is like actually like very Disco like Needs mentioned.
1: a Squeeze. Disco. Also best punk, best name.
2: That's a yeah. yeah. So it's, I guess it was an inside joke reference to Gizm instead of death, agonies, and screams. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Disco needs a squeeze. Okay. And,
1: and it was put on by um, one of my best friends, uh, Mike, who is in Under Pressure and Born Bad. Yep. He's in a million different bands. And um, this kid, Steve Crisco, who I met when he was a teenager, and he did the zine called Cows and Beers. And he's awesome still name. doing like. Punk zines And putting on shows And stuff He's like one of the last people Putting on punk shows there And it was awesome The fest was So good
2: The bands from Winnipeg though Are still better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like Like It's and it's kind of the same Core group of people That like You grew up with But mm-hmm. It's like I couldn't believe it Like Dan from Dan from Under Pressure He's like Played drums in one band Played guitar in another band Sang in another band Like yeah. The dude was just like Non-stop And killed it Every all, day that's
1: the thing it's, it's like you know frame. you're like there's in your scene or whatever there's like one guy who like plays in all the bands like one drummer that's in all the bands there it's like everyone everyone can play like guitar, bass, drum sing in a band like they have they just like mix and match like all these different bands
2: it's supreme yeah. isolation and like I don't know like formed out of necessity I guess
0: mm-hmm.
2: but it's kind of like it's amazing that it, it's still
0: like stuff can be in isolation you know yeah. like we live at a point where like you know, you have to almost willingly be in isolation. If,
1: well, it's
2: I, what I was saying, it's like Winnipeg's for
1: diehards, man. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't hack it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's an easy way up. The lure of the six is too much for most, <laughs> I'm afraid. <Yeah.
1: laughs> or
2: you saw all the six shows that were happening in Toronto, and you're like, I'm going to move there. Now,
1: all my the friend, six my, shows my friend, My friend Scott <laughs> moved to Toronto, and he was started helping out with Stuck in the City, and I said to him, I was like, I'm gonna move to Toronto. I'm gonna take over stuck in the city.
2: (laughs) And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, but what like, but you're you lived in Winnipeg for a while, and there was you did like seven years. Yeah. So like, there's a really funny story about me sending a band to Winnipeg and giving it to somebody else who's like a mutual friend of ours who we like hung out with this weekend. Didn't book shows. Who didn't book shows? But I didn't know Charday, so I hit up Nate, Nate Glover, who you know. Yeah, I know. And I was like, Yo, Nate. Uh, Have Heart Want to come to Winnipeg Can you do the show And Nate was like Yeah for sure And then Nate Basically kind of Bungled it And made sure do all the work
1: (laughs) Well it wasn't so (laughs) much that That he bungled it It was that Like he was doing With Matt Holden Who has done Hardcore shows forever And they were supposed To have it at War on music And then we decided You know War on music Was getting like A lot of heat From the neighbors For having shows Or whatever And so It somehow Became up to me To find a new venue for the show get the flyer made like to basically like be a part of booking the show yeah and still probably had to buy a ticket or something like that (laughs) this is what you do yeah but i was really mad at the time because I i was like
2: he didn't
0: offer you the show
2: yeah. But, yeah, well, well not, like, I, it's not even that it's just like friends it's like you're always like all of this is built on like depending on your friends and stuff so it's always <laughs> infuriating when it's like fuck now I gotta do all the work I wasn't supposed to do all the work right now now I gotta do all the work <laughs> as someone who's probably
0: done that to other people in a concert <laughs> situation <laughs> like you try to do a show but sometimes you I did someone. my best Yeah. Yes. yeah. but like more on music for shows that would have been nuts it was tiny
1: well there was t- I can't remember which location you would have been to. There was, like, a tiny location that was, like, the size so of the downstairs from the Albert?
0: Like, near the Albert? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But we had, like, these these bins that were on wheels, and we would wheel them over. Yeah. And Under Pressure had their last show there. And it was, like, insane. Because there's always venue problems. Well, not always. I mean, hurt, it's, it was small, but you could pack, like, 200 people in there.
0: But, like, the Albert shut down. Like the, that was
1: after I moved, like, a pipe water main broke and like flooded it mm-hmm. and the warm music burned down
0: War music's gone and yeah. what like where did, was the show this weekend was so
1: there... a few like people who are like in the hardcore punk scene one a couple of them opened up this bar that used to be called Hooligans and is now is this bar called Handsome Daughter and it's actually like a pretty cool venue space It has like a stage in the back and whatever. Vegan food in the front. And Yeah. And then um, there's like another bar now right on Portage um, called The Goodwill and I think it mostly has like parties and bigger shows there but yeah. it was at those two locations. Oh,
0: sick. So,
1: okay. And actually I think I heard the after party, I didn't go to it, but it was in the first location of War on Music, like this tiny, tiny little space.
2: So and I heard someone shit on the floor. <laughs> Whoa! It's dark, man. First time I went to Stalag I I went to the bathroom and someone had shit beside the toilet, and I was I Stalag. feel like every once in a while, like like you do this stuff long enough, and and nothing, gonna shit. what going to be poop. no, but it's like it stops to feel it stops feeling extreme. Like yeah. it's just like oh yeah, now all these people are doing like super hard drugs. So it's Friday, yeah. but it's like. Then you hear a story like that. It's like, yeah, somebody like they didn't just shit on the floor in the washer They like shit on the floor. <laughs> but like, you know what? The <laughs> super hard drug thing. It's
0: that's come back, and it was definitely like in talking to people for this podcast. It was there in the beginning,
2: yeah.
0: Uh, and obviously, probably in the mid period. But there was like a period where we're kind of like our period of getting into stuff and doing stuff. It wasn't around. Like, well,
1: straight oh edge God. was way bigger. Positive, them, hard, positive, straight edge, hardcore stuff was so massive, and yeah. like. Now serious. I'm only connecting it now when I was in Winnipeg that like maybe like a lot of those people were like Christian hardcore and maybe that's why they it were like not of, drinking or doing drugs. But even then I even like just think about
0: like just like the the punk scene here, maybe it was just because Toronto and the BFGs and they hated hard drugs so yeah. much. Yeah. But like I just couldn't imagine like someone like busting
2: out Coke at a, a thing. Or,
1: I yeah, it I is, it is never saw it until here, like
2: it's new. Here it's new for sure. Like or maybe, our, it just wasn't in the, the, like, shit I would travel in. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Well, like, oh. I
1: think people were more discreet about it. Like, I think yeah. it was there, but, like, people, it was, like, more discreet. Yeah, you'd have
2: to be discreet. I'm sure, like, I, I'm having, like, a weird flashback right now, and I feel like Matt LaForge probably has a good anecdote around, <laughs> like, the world pre- and post-hard drugs, I feel like I've heard. <laughs> I can't remember, but... I, I, Matt yeah. LaForge would be the last person I would think of that about.
1: No, but, story. No. <laughs> He's a journalist, <laughs> he's God He's a damn journalist. It. Yeah, he's
2: a journalist. He's, he's a thinking about it. journalist. Okay, okay,
1: I'm okay. He went undercover once.
2: <laughs> you know, well, this is actually, f- to, to speak specifically to this, he was running this wild left field theory to me yesterday, because we were dealing with all this shit with the festival, about how uh, hardcore kids normalize, like, what behavior is and isn't acceptable. And he, like, drew a line to, like, how what sets the norms mostly is like celebrity culture, mm-hmm. like what we consider taboo and not taboo is what we look at and see. Like this is some shit that I was talking about with them yesterday. <laughs> I was having
1: this conversation so, with someone at work today. <laughs> today.
2: I I like I I I don't know. I'm having not been
0: privy to the, both of the conversations yeah. but I kind of think I remember being at a person we were talking about before they started recording, uh, a, a, like a a show that they were at and. Them yeah. doing blow under a table and everyone just being like, "They're
2: doing cocaine under the table." And I was like, what? They're doing cocaine, <laughs> and it was just like so weird because it just didn't. Yeah. But is that an age
1: thing? You think maybe? But I can tell you this though. As much as we're saying like this is a new thing, whatever. Like, Chaos and Chaos started what year?
0: Yeah, but Chaos and Chaos, <laughs> I can remember when it was still uh, Ricky Prank Fest. Fest? Yeah. No, when it was after Prank Fest, but it yeah. was Ricky Fest
2: wasn't really as much
0: cocaine.
2: No? <laughs> no. Okay. But, I mean... Okay. <laughs> it came up... But it's like... it's There was sort of like a... There was kind of a switch, I guess, somewhere in like... At least in my memory, where it went from like this... And, I mean, I can tie it to like when I moved into the city. Mm-hmm. Kind of. But, like, it went from like this quasi-wholesome, like, dry venues... Uh, like, not like you weren't seeing religious bands, you weren't seeing people not speak out against religion, but it was like, you know, it was not you go and get fucked up at the gig. Yeah, it was like you go for the music. Yeah, and then I kind of moved downtown, and, and shows were in bars. Yeah, you know what I mean? And it's like, and then it, I, I not just that, like you kind of look at the lineage, and we can probably point to someone as directly as like career suicide. It's like we're looking at the years of like 2000, 2000, 2002, 2003. Like, 80s USHC becomes, like, a thing again people are into. And it sort of, drugs and 80s USHC kind of went hand-in-hand a bit. And it's, like, the Straight Edge thing kind of lost its steam. And, like, you can look at all the bands that were, like, those guys were Straight Edge 2003 to 2005, and then 2005... You know what?
1: So many of my friends who are like posy, straight edge, hardcore guys who are no longer that are so much cooler now. (laughs) Like, as someone who doesn't drink or do drugs or anything, I can safely say that like it was, it's beneficial for some people. Yeah, it really brings them like I don't know. Like I think some people just get way too pent up and then they're freaks.
0: Yeah. Well, it's you know like some people it's awesome for and it's yeah. like some people it definitely is amazing for then there's other people that you know you need something yeah and, and it's there and and it's also like what what a cool thing to kind of find instead of finding like oxys or yeah. like some, ketamine. ketamine or like something that actually could really kill you like you're yeah. gonna be caught up in a a period in your life where you're like, yeah, I was caught up in this crazy thing where I didn't do drugs or drink for like
1: five yeah, yeah. years.
2: It was really not early. but It was like a thing people talked about back then. Like I remember being asked, like, "Are you straight edge?" Yeah. People always used to think I was straight edge. Yeah,
1: because you look it. I look. If I you look, look it. I
0: didn't think that after our first hangout in the Iron Age. Band.
1: <laughs> people always like if you look at us as like a couple, and you had to, like people guess guess what? Straight edge. Straight edge. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but now you don't even say like I'm straight edge. You're like I'm j- I, I'm sober.
1: I don't even say that, I just shrug my shoulders.
2: You could you could have this wave
0: of straight edge now. This could be your wave.
1: This could be my wave.
0: You can define I must bust it. Bust out
1: my swatch.
0: Did <laughs> I you get your swatch? Do you have a swatch?
1: Yes, this guy like gifted me a swatch, like this guy who was just like a skateboarding guy, no idea he had any involvement in punk ever in his life, like he was much older than me. Yeah. And he's like handing me this little gold box. And I opened it up, and it was like a sw- it was a
2: swatch. That's amazing. One you know, of, This was before there were worth. X swatch. Yeah. Specifically. They were worth. <laughs> they were worth money. They, they were are, worth money, not like now
0: money, yeah. but they were like yeah. they were still like early 2000s, like possession. 800 bucks, like yeah. 300 bucks. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Doug Free from Boston has like five of them.
0: <sighs> well, luxurious lifestyle.
1: Yeah.
0: I have one still. It's on the shelf. You for, still
1: have one. Yeah,
0: I, 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 it doesn't work, and I took it from Caleb Cooper when he. None makes of them footage. work none of them work none of them work <laughs> up uh, yeah that's it that's yeah. it mine broke the day I broke
1: <laughs> the weird thing about me though is that like for the most of my punk life I was not straight edge or sober like yeah. I moved into this punk house when I was like 15, 16 and in Saskatoon and lived with all these like older punks or people who were like into indie music and stuff and I definitely was always drinking. And then when I was like 18, 19, and I was legally allowed to drink, I just stopped. Yeah. I also had this mentality, like I would sneak into this bar to go to shows called the Wash and Slosh. It was a laundromat slash bar. And their motto was like, have a scotch while you wash your gotch. And for some reason I thought, because I was in with a fake ID that said I was older than I was, like i didn't want to risk getting drinks at the bar because i was like then they would definitely know yeah. that like i'm underage but i just want to watch the show and in retrospect me not drinking at the bar is probably really what would give away that i True. was underage
0: what of bands would play there
1: just any touring band
0: and that's what the yeah. tabs are touring spot.
1: that they would play there or um this place called the jazz basement okay which was amazing because it was owned by the Jazz Society, so it was like a non for profit um, place, and I had to do like community service. And my friend's mom was basically the person who organized where people did their community service. So I did community service volunteering at the basement, <laughs> and it was amazing. I would just hang out at shows and like do the door, and I was doing <laughs> do all my community service. I, fi- I find
2: it so funny, like hearing you go into detail about this stuff because my experience was so much more suburban and yours is like almost way more metropolitan. Well, it was a well, city. city. Yeah. yeah. But it's like...
1: Small city. Brampton,
2: Brampton was bigger than both those Yeah, places. population-wise, like, yeah. But it's like, it's a completely different thing. Like for me, it was like uh, YMCA's, church basements, and like, I, the first time I went to a show in the bar that wasn't like the cathedral, like I think the first time I went to a show at the cathedral would have been like 2004, 2005, it was like coming to the city. But it, my experience was like, right. look completely different in that sense. Yeah. yeah so crazy. Like, to hear it in detail. It's what, funny. What was the
0: first show that you put on? Was well, it in it Saskatoon or, or moved? Oh, the first
1: show that I put on was in Saskatoon, I remember now. And it was for... Um, Oh my God! Corey's gonna kill me that I can't remember his band. <laughs> For Beeps' band? <laughs> um, it was Corey's band, whatever they were called, and this band Radical Attack. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there was like no one there. There was like ten people. Um,
0: that was the first show I put on. Can't remember Beeps' band name. I remember that Radical Attack band.
2: Who else was in the band? This, <laughs> Putty.
1: This <laughs> 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 a guy named Beeps and a guy named Putty. It was Fat Matt
0: in that band? No, no, no. Fat Matt was in a band called Rogue Nation, I think. I've heard of Rogue Nation. Did, did they tour or no? I don't know. That sounds kind of familiar. No but, so, did you start doing shows kind of from that point, or was it more when you got into Winnipeg and started doing shows?
1: It was more in Winnipeg, and I would say, like, I did... Very few shows. Yeah. Like I did some shows but I didn't do like a lot of shows.
0: It was hard. I guess it was hard for like weren't a lot of DIY bands probably coming through. Well the thing is, or... is that
1: like there wasn't that many, but there was also a number of people who also did shows. Yeah. Like Matt Holden, John Mayo, like all these people did shows, plus like the guys who were bigger bookers like Sam Smith who mm-hmm. would like book for like the Albert and stuff, so Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what when...
1: collective, that was the other place.
0: Oh, yeah. The, that's what I was thinking of. Maybe The Collective. Was that near that CD Plus?
1: It was maybe across from Music Trader. Maybe. And they Music found, like, Trader. a dead body in the wall. That's, like, the big great story. What? Is that there was, like, the smell. You would go there to these shows and there's, like, smell. And people could figure out. And I guess during, like, one of the raves, a guy had, like, crawled in between the walls. And his body was just, like, rotting there.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah, and that
1: was, like, well into like it would have been past 2004 it would have been like in 2004 when this happened or whatever how has
0: there not been a winnipeg band called rotting raver
1: i don't know also (laughs) at the albert everybody knows the story with like the chopped up body upstairs right
2: i don't know the story do you I, I know it. Winnipeg's extreme. I know Winnipeg's extreme. I
0: would never put anything
1: past there Winnipeg. There was like a bar, bo- like a, it used to be like a rooming house, like this hotel yeah, or whatever yeah. hotel and there was still the venue at the bar and there was like a body found like chopped up into bits in this bathtub and for some reason Susan Sarandon's jewels were in that room because she was like in town filming a movie in her What the fuck? So Susan Sarandon chopped up a body. And just forgot to do no, the I jewels. The guy what? was like caught, the guy was just like high like as fuck and like kill the guy
2: kill the guy after s-
0: uh, maybe but anyway, stealing the collective seasons,
1: right? <laughs> the collective I remember seeing crew suicide play there cause yeah. they came through um and also they had played this smaller venue and this guy uh John Schletowitz was like there was some Nazis or something showed up at the smaller show I don't remember what the scenario was he knew them to be Nazis and like all these punks flipped over their car
0: <laughs> holy shit
1: and this would have been like 2000. 2000- that's Five? So, yeah, so, I don't know. So. Uh,
0: that's awesome. I don't remember Joan telling me about that. That's yeah. fucking crazy. That's awesome. So, what about you? What was your first show? And how many the dead first, bodies did they the find in the white The first show
2: I booked, like I booked, I booked on my own. Like I helped out Rick and Beeve with shows now and again. Yeah. And then the first show I booked on my own was actually like the first step. Really? Those? That was, that was yeah. Cool. Well, it was like kind of. Well because Toronto had such an established scene, like which is awesome. Like but you had already been doing stuff with Monine and all that stuff before. Oh yeah, started, but I right? but that's the thing. In Brampton, the way it worked was that there was only one guy who could do the shows. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, he, he, had, he had basically <laughs> like he had the inn at the church. Yeah. And he booked a show once a month, and it was like fucking clockwork. Yeah. Right? And when there wasn't a show in Brampton, you would drive to, like, London or Guelph or St. Catharines or Hamilton, wherever the show was that weekend. Because it was all the same bands, but, like, cycling through. Really? Yeah. And there was, like, nowhere really to play up until, like, 2003. There was, like, a bar called Friends. And even then, it was, like, that whole scene of, like, kind of quasi uh, like indie punk metalcore kind of like smashed together, got real weird in like two thousand two, where yeah. it, like it started to get really popular. Yeah, and then it was great. Like you'd go to like I had I saw a band like Alex on Fire play like thirty people in Print. Mm-hmm. and then I think the next time they came it was like fucking like three hundred people. Yeah, like the shows were big. Yeah, but but Machine was blowing up too around that time. Yeah, yeah, like well, I mean like. It was I. I remember. Yeah, the the craziest Monine show I would have saw in Brampton must have been like two thousand three. But like two thousand one was or two thousand was the first time I saw him play like a rec center, and Kenny was like hanging out the window and like at one point I think his mom actually showed up to the rec center for something completely different. Like while he was hanging out the window, (coughs) and she was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm playing a show." Like while they're playing. They, you must have
0: seen them come through, right?
1: Yeah, oh. they played this place, like a community center, like, downtown, like, where all the other shows were. And it was so humid in there, and the floors were so slippery, just, like, with water and sweat. And people were slipping, and sliding, um, like, down the thing. And, in and, other people's and sweat. And I was just thinking, yeah, other people's sweat. It was disgusting. And I was just, and for some reason, you couldn't go outside. They wouldn't open the doors because of noise complaints or whatever. And I was just thinking about this, how this was somehow socially acceptable in punk or like these things back then. It's like this guy, he was this character in Saskatoon, his name is Prune. That was his punk name, Prune, and he just got naked on stage. Like I don't understand like it was just like accept like acceptable, like it's horrible, <laughs> yeah. but like that those things just happened. Yeah. It was like naked slip and sliding. Yeah. Yeah, that it's
0: And it's weird people getting naked at shows Because it doesn't You're right, it doesn't happen anymore But it happened like right until late 2000s Yeah You'd be at a show Like what the
2: fuck
1: Someone's naked Yeah, someone's naked I mean, Guttermouth got banned from Saskatoon Or they got the show shut down For like whipping his Obscenity
0: (laughs) Didn't they get escorted out of the country? That's the story I always
1: I mean, I don't know for sure But I just know that they then had like A single or something called Banned in Saskatoon Yeah
0: Well, you know what? They're like, they get no love on this podcast because they scan, they fucking did something shitty with this friend of mine back in the day, and she felt super shitty on stage. But then also, they stole a fucking riff from Five Knuckle Chuckle.
1: I don't know what that is, <laughs> yeah, but you're like, mad on that. That's like
0: sacrosanct pop punk. <laughs> I think that's pre-your era of Brampton oh, like yeah, Branson. I mean, definitely. like,
1: overall, they sound like just the worst human beings ever.
0: Yeah, uh, you don't hear a lot of really great <laughs> glowing stories. Uh, I Actually, uh, I heard of a story about them swapping someone's vegan food with putting meat in someone's that's vegan so food. That's so rude. Like, just like kind of like that's like fucking
2: but like I, I mean I, I guess like, like, that was so like... much the norm like not that but like fucking with people well that's like and in that climate how can Propaganda not be so awesome that like, here's this band yeah. that's like
0: okay this is pitting but we're gonna give you a Noam Chomsky quote and expose yeah. you to like bell hooks and yeah. like, you'd just be like
1: I mean, this band, Junto, which I'm probably saying wrong from Saskatoon, is like one of the things that got me into vegetarianism is they had this lyric that was like, if you love your friends, don't eat them. If you love your pets, don't beat them. (laughs) In Saskatoon.
0: Genius from the mouths of babes, as they say, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't think anyone ever says that either.
1: Yeah, and I don't think anybody would refer to that lyric for that saying, but... I think that's
0: genius. That, you know, that's, like, that's the thing about punk and, and the sloganing in some of the young punk songs
2: is it, it cuts through in a way. Yeah. It's Well, the very fact that you're basically still vegetarian, yeah. not kind of...
1: Pescatarian, now,
2: But still, like, you don't eat meat. Yeah. Because of some... Awful rhyme <laughs> by some band in Saskatoon like 16 years ago is kind of insane. Well, yeah. and just like compared to like any other youth
0: culture or movement, like the fact that you have kids that are like trying, like it's a a, a culture of of betterment. Like yeah,
1: yeah, like you never hear like people who play sports like they're like yeah. the soccer team. You're like yo, I met this really cool dude who plays in the soccer team in this other town, and like now we're friends, and we like share tips on soccer yeah. and like how to like turn moves and like you yeah, know, know we're like trading diet like we're both like gonna do this like diet of vegetarianism.
0: Yeah, and I think it's probably rare that you're like, hey, I met this other person that plays soccer in this other town. And they're part of this really cool anti fascist organization. Yeah. They turned me on to some interesting literature that I think you
1: should read, yeah. too. Or even just like you're not like Oh yeah, I'm I'm emailing my my friend who play. We both play soccer, and they play soccer in like Mexico City. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm gonna go crash at their house like next time I go to Mexico.
0: I wonder if that's though in video games because like I don't you're think playing so those with
1: people big, leave yeah, their houses, so it's not, mean, not. And you that. probably
0: hate each other too. Yeah, yeah. you like this, enemies. There's this kid in Mexico City, and if I ever see him, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna kill him for beating me so many times. Be- that, Call of Duty. <laughs> Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. At what point do you guys first meet? Uh, debated.
1: Debated. But I think that I met him outside a Lotus Fucker show, which I don't like that band.
2: I don't even know that band. And I think that we met at the, was it the last fucked up weekend? 2009. Yeah. I think that's when we met. What well, okay. was the Lotus Fucker show?
1: When I moved here in like 2010. Yeah.
0: No, you would. I think you. Well, maybe you guys didn't shit. We show. never like we were maybe definitely in the memorable.
1: same room. But,
0: that, but you would have been in the similar circles. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, right. So oh, I yeah. could. I don't know. Yeah, Lotus fucker or.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, no. Then I guess I don't know what we. So regardless, we officially met what 2010. Then
1: at Lotus. At Lotus, Lotus, Lotus fucker.
2: fucker officially. What
1: was that? Bar called You
2: guys like four sixty. Either way it was a
0: band with a swear word. Yeah, and it sucks.
1: I just wanted to swear on the podcast.
0: Well that believe me. That is a fucking okay.
1: <laughs>
0: I'm gonna edit where I said a fucking okay out though. <laughs> <laughs> um So, yeah, when you guys meet, is it, like, immediate... Like, you guys... You guys were in the same music stuff by
2: that point. Like, that was when everything was... Yeah, same
1: friend circle. That was,
2: like... I feel like for both of us, that's, like, wave two at that point. Like, we were both, like, around 25. Had kind of, like, been in it for a while. Yeah. More than a decade. Yeah. (laughs) Like, knew... Like, we're friends with a lot of the same people at that time but, like, had also had, like, this weird kind of overlapping history. Like, the bands that were from my town went and played out there and whatever, right? Mm-hmm, so it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it was... Yeah. And then one thing led to another. You know, the <laughs> dirty details, Greg. Gross. Yeah. Um, but what... And also, I That's guess... It's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah, you ever played in bands? No.
1: no. I've tried. Yeah. I just so don't much. really like people looking at me. Like, I just don't want to. Or talking to <laughs> or, people. So like talking to like a large group all at once. Like I'm okay with talking to people if I'm the one that talks to them.
0: That's kind of what you do, do on stage.
1: Yeah, I know. Maybe even have
0: microphones. Trust me.
1: <laughs> but no. I'm also not musically inclined whatsoever. So like the only option. <laughs> <Hello>? <laughs> the only option for <laughs> me would be to be a front person and I don't want to.
0: Yeah, well, okay. Don't worry. It's still time.
1: Just still time. Still, time. still time. I have lots of friends who've just started singing in yeah. bands or playing in bands,
0: and I've got a friend who's in his forties and his dream. He like was into hardcore, and then he had to go to prison for a while, and, and he and so then he got into this other career, and now he's finally out of that, and he's like, I'm starting a hardcore band. Like I wanted to start a hardcore band since I was a, a teenager, but I like I didn't grow up with anyone that played instruments, and mm-hmm. I just knew about
2: the stuff, and so I still. St- like to this day stand by the fact that there's nothing more fun than just like making a band. Yeah. And like that's one of the ba- to me at the age I'm at now that's still one of the most fun things in the world. Until you have to practice. I'm
1: more Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm more into talking about the kinds yeah. of bands that I would want to be in.
2: Yeah.
1: I was like, yeah, like I want to we'd like be on long drives and we'd be like, yeah, let's start a band that sounds like female-fronted like crisis. It's going to be so sick. But I or like partisans or something but it's female fronted and then I'm just like nah I'll just let someone else do it and I'll just go to
2: the show <laughs> or stay home <laughs> or stay home like, so that's what
1: you should be, like, the, I'll play it on the radio later the,
0: you should be the Svengali of like punk and just put these bands together
1: yeah and get
0: them out there playing <laughs> exactly. on the road yeah like the Simon Cowell of uh, hardcore no,
1: that, no what's his the Malcolm McLaren yeah Malcolm McLaren <laughs> yeah I'm like what's his I <laughs>
0: think Simon Cowell is a little more successful probably yeah yeah, this he point. had a hand in Spice Girls.
1: But he don't know anything about
0: punk. That's true. That's what I'm, th- I'm not saying he could do it.
1: I could do it. I could be Simon Cowell.
0: Well, you, you sold me. Like, uh, I, Either way, a female friend of crisis or a female friend of partisans I think would be awesome. So. I'm
1: just going like, to leave it to like one of the other women that I do the radio show with because yeah. I just feel like they would be way better front people <laughs> than me. Yeah.
2: So, what about you? What was the first band you played in? The first band I, like... I mean, when I was a teenager, I used to jam with friends in, like, basement and stuff like that. Like, No, it wasn't Wildcats. It was a band I joined. Uh, what oh, I remember I the first time I met you now. <laughs> it was before the band. Was it? Iron Age, yeah. So the first, I, I want to know when it was, but the first band I played in was this band called Hit and Run. That I just, like... Was it a
1: girl school cover band?
2: No. That I just joined, like, uh, it was one of those things where it was, like, friend of a friend... They needed a guitar player. It was, like, on the Kill Desk, board. Like, we need a guitar player. And I was, like, I had just moved into the city, and I was, like, I want to play guitar in a band. Like, I can play guitar, so I'll play guitar in this band. And it was, like, kind of, like, heavier, kind of, like, hardcore 2003 or so. And uh, then, yeah, that band dissolved after a couple shows, and then it became the band called Wildcats, which is, like, absolutely, like awful abysmal i was drinking with the singer last week <laughs> and every once in a while he's like we should get the band back together but he's like completely stepped out of hardcore like he's like a full-time illustrator he still <laughs> listens to stuff yeah, yeah, again, yeah, but like it's not really like he's not going to shows anymore and uh he's like, okay we should, should it's do okay a band not to go to show it's okay yeah. not to go yeah, to yeah, show yeah, it's okay yeah. not no, to go show. Job, but, but he's like he's like what if we i'll be like hey have you heard like this record or we're like T- we were talking about he never got into Hundred Demons when Hundred Demons were like popular. Yeah. and last week we were talking about it, I was like, dude, in the eyes of the Lord, he's a fucking sick record. He's like, I know, I know this now, and <laughs> he's What's like, he's like, we should start a band that sounds like that. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but yeah, You're so really I'm really the <laughs> that was the female perfect,
1: fronted Hundred Demons. Wait, that's just Walls of Jericho, uh,
0: right? I was <laughs> gonna say it. <laughs> no, I, I thought like... Walls of Jericho two
2: weeks ago. What? Or like two weeks
0: ago. They still play shows? They came up and they played Get This with. Um, who else was on that bill? Sick of It All? Mm-hmm. Old
2: Firm Casuals. Oh, the 44 Yeah, 44th Festival. Thing. Okay. 100 so... 100 uh, Sorry, Walls of Jericho played. First time, Walls of Jericho, important to me because the first time I ever met Eric Hoyback. Because at a Walter Jericho show.
1: I don't want to talk about him.
2: <laughs> don't worry.
0: Uh, so, uh, no, I want to ask you about playing. So, had you been playing. Uh, Wildcats is where I think I first met you, because I remember the show that we played at the 360, and it was like Cancer Bats play, and I shout out Wildcats on stage. I remember seeing the Cancer Bats at the 360. And I think you were at that show because I have a photo of it somewhere, and you're in the crowd, I think. Yeah, what show was that? It was like? like Cancer Bats, Protest the Hero,
2: and I dissed oh all the bands God. on stage. And you guys, and who else? That was, was like that a long else? time ago. Was that someone's record yeah. release or something? Yeah, and it was also. That venue was so sick.
0: It's 360. Yes. I remember Steve Perry jumping off the stack monitor and going through the stage.
2: <laughs> 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 yeah,
0: being played there. Chris did it first and landed, of course, and then Steve did it and was like, Neil Funk Through the floor. Yeah Well it's or, funny Because like without Masons Veterans
2: Or Christians Or, 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 or Jewish community happen. centers In the case of Toronto yeah. yeah where would these shows take place? For real There was a long time Where like that was it, it Well I mean Cross the board Like not just in Toronto it's, Oh yeah like, Everywhere For a while Like You know like I, I mean and, YMCA's too I guess Yeah like,
1: Yeah but it feels like Back then there were more venues Than there are now
2: Yeah Toronto's pretty good for venues right now, I feel like.
1: For but all ages venues? Yeah, yeah, like, you know, like better faith than- Faith Void.
2: Better yeah. than you got Faith Void, you uh, you've got Deep Astro, you've got Coalition, you got Smiling Buddha, you've got- Smiling Buddha's at all they'll ages. They'll do all ages, yeah. Um, there's one no, other it's better one. than yeah probably okay. but even now it's better than it's ever
0: been like yeah. maybe there was the one point where you had
2: and you have all the houses that kids are doing shows at. there's yeah. like three or four houses that kids are doing shows at Toronto right now is like in terms of venues is it like the peak it's ever been since I've been going to shows here. Yeah. Like, f- there's the bars were like a thing, but.
0: There was a moment though where it seemed like when Punk was hitting, every single bar would be like,
1: let's do an All Ages
2: show! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then
1: they're like, let's never do that again because no. we sold no beer. There's no,
2: no discussion I've had more with a venue owner than the bar didn't really do what we expected. <laughs> like, and it's like the most <laughs> depressed, like, it's like this fucking... Shittiest thing, because like I, I mean, I'm old enough now, where it's like I understand, like I don't want these venues to like fail or anything. Yeah, but yeah. it's like you're always having that discussion. Still,
1: I, I feel like if they were smart, and they just lowered the price for specifically these shows. Something I they would do a lot better. Or we need to start doing shows at vaporizer
0: lounges because they don't really care if you sell anything. <laughs> yeah, <I> guess not, <laughs> they're
2: just, right? They just want you there smoking weed and eating junk food. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like, like that works for most of the kids
0: these days. But. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Is, My home life. (laughs) Post nine. But like, so at what point does, do shit form?
2: Shit formed, uh, this is again, it's like second wave. It was around not long after. 2010? Yeah, like 2011, I think. No. Yeah. So did you play in bands in between the two? No. No. You didn't do anything That's crazy. No, like my, like I was, I would just go to shows. I would road trip for shows, I would go to Montreal for shows. And there was no real. He had reason.
1: one foot out the door. He wasn't gonna sell all That's his records saying. and one quit foot. hardcore.
2: No, the selling all my records was a completely different circumstance. Doesn't yeah. matter. Anyway. And I didn't sell them all. And now, who's selling all the records? Well, we gotta <laughs> talk after the show. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but I had a point where I was gonna sell all my records. I know I
1: bought some from you, and I bought some from you. So that you was
0: what? when I. That was my
1: brotherhood seventy.
0: Yeah, me. but that was that was when I was selling some records. I was gonna sell all my records at one point because uh, I was like. I have kids now. I'm going to be in debt forever. And then I'm like, yeah, but fuck it. Debt
1: forever. <laughs> like, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even it's if it's
2: I forever. sell these, I'm probably going to be <laughs> yeah, like, it. So, like, so. What is it, My record collection worth millions of dollars to make it so I'm not going to be in debt? Yeah. I'm starting to just get in the habit of, like, culling. Them. But yeah, no, I didn't... The culling. Like, like just like, once once every few months, just, like, pull out, like, a bunch of them and sell them. But always keep yeah. adding into the pile. You only have so much room. Yeah. But... I, yeah, I didn't didn't play music. It was just, like, going to a lot of shows. Like, I would go to every friggin' show. Like, I didn't, I can't, it, it, like, hurt me to miss a show. You were doing shows, too? Yeah, so, like, I kind of, uh, so after, right around when, like, Wildcats formed. You did, did you help out with that fucked up weekend in Brampton when we played, the, no, in Brampton, Burlington? Burlington, no, I didn't help out with that one. You but a it would have been around the time that I was, like, playing in Wildcats and like helping Rick with like I helped book a blacklisted show here and I helped book a down to nothing show here and that would have been like 2004 2005 and then I was doing a radio show I did a radio show for like what uh, your radio show? Uh, it wasn't on the radio This was just like in this great area <laughs> Playing records and talking to it's no a city one. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was it was on uh, it was on like Ryerson's internet. Radio oh shows. yeah, because
0: they had the, they locked out. They had that falling out with CKLN. You no, know, this was
2: like a separate thing. And oh, while I was at Ryerson, CKLN fell. Through. Oh. So this was like another like initiative within the program I was at at Ryerson, where they like had a radio station. It was like learn how to be a DJ, do a radio show, and. I kind of just oh, like God. the first year I did it. I did it on my own, and then I got to know Rick Smith, and then Rick and I did Wait. it together.
1: Rick talked on the radio. Yeah,
2: Rick and I used to do a radio. Do you have tapes of this show? I don't think so. I would love to hear this. But we called it the Big Takeover, and we would just play like hardcore punk. And I think you remember him posting playlists for that. Yeah, yeah. That's and cute. I used to, and I used to like, I would interview people and like play it on the radio sometimes. Like, I must, I know I interviewed Andrew from Comeback Kid, and I interviewed one of the brothers from Embrace Today. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, they, hey, Whatever fuck just- you, I'm Edge was pretty intense at the Yo, time. The hardest thing I've ever seen a
0: band say on <laughs> stage is he's like, you know, the song's about smoking cigarettes, and my mom smokes cigarettes, and it's really hard to quit, you know? People get addicted to this shit, but that's because she's fucking weak. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: Whoa, you just called your mom weak. She birthed you. <laughs>
2: like, that's harder than anything you will do. Yeah, well, fuck it Like, I, I. That that whole era of, like, hardcore is fucked. In retrospect. <laughs> yeah. Like, like especially now, like, there's all this shit that's coming out about bands from back yeah. then. And there's one thing that I'm, I don't, don't want to wait into the specifics of this shit, but it's like, there's one thing that I woke up in the morning and I saw it online and I was like, holy shit and Shirley's immediate response was yeah duh <laughs> yeah like this is of course yeah it's, it's, I mean I don't
1: think that like a lot of people realize what it was like to be female in that well yeah it's a totally yeah. different experience right yeah, yeah. it was it's crazy it was a crazy time mm-hmm. it was like it was just like so much misogyny and now the scene is like it's so cool like even though I'm not as like deep in it, like I don't go to every single show, but it's so cool to look in and see just all these like young women just like being like, fuck you, I'm taking up space, this is like, you know. Cause I used to be there, I used to go and I used to be like, well, I have to prove that like I'm here for the music and I'm like gonna mosh so hard and blah 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 because like I need to prove myself, but it's like I should have never had to prove myself for anything and it's, yeah, it was
2: very good. And bands got away with ridiculous shit.
1: Yeah. Oh my god, yeah.
2: The sh- like... In retrospect, it's absurd. Yeah. Like, in retrospect, like... Like, y- you wonder how. And it's like, for all the negative shit that the internet gets, it's like, it's remarkable that, like people can speak up and like action actually happens because of it Mm -hmm. and people like the the fucking chorus is that like oh people wouldn't say shit in real life it's like dude this is real life that person's a piece of shit fuck them yeah and and this is this is the right thing to do I, I don't understand this when people like
0: like circle around yeah someone is like no but this person has been exposed as being a terrible person like you don't have to circle around this person no one's saying that you're bad because you were
2: friends with them at one point Yeah. Yeah. but now we all know so you're bad if you're still friends with them yeah Yeah. Yeah. so there's a like a there's one thing that I feel like like again you get older and you look at all this shit that's going on in in the space especially like we're still like relatively involved in it and it's like um, it's like you see that response where it's like yo fuck that guy and and then they get like shot off into space like to just go be a piece of shit somewhere mm-hmm. else in the world mm-hmm. and that's the one thing that bugs me cuz like you you see it as cyclical like you see it as like okay we're going to like swing really hard to the right on like what we can and can't do and then the, we're just going to come around the other side and it's going to get super hard to the left and then like there's it's almost inevitable that we're going to get a response to all this shit And we're kind of seeing it in terms of like the political zeitgeist with someone like Trump where it's like people are like, yo, enough is enough with this political crackness shit. And if we don't figure out a way to balance it, it's just going to come well, back around. The
1: thing is, is that for so long, we ta- I was talking about this with my friend at work today about this pendulum and it's like for so long the pendulum was like swung this way where every, everybody lived in ignorance and all this like horrific shit was happening and being said and now the pendulum's way on the other side where everyone is being reactionary to all of that and so like any little thing, like anything, not just little things, anything, any bullshit, People are going to call you out and it's going to be all over the internet. You're going to get shamed. And like maybe sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that reactionary view is too far this way. But at some point, the world will balance itself out and it will end up in the middle. But you need it to go that far to to the reactionary stuff for it to like balance.
0: Yeah, and I think we were talking about this earlier. Punk has always been you know, either leading society or reflection of society in yeah. mm-hmm. and, and hardcore and, and where you see, you know, the 90s begat the 2000s period that we're talking about which mm-hmm. led to like terrible, yeah. terrible shit and then that begets, but now it feels like it's almost like there's there's people that are trying to do really cool stuff yeah. and trying to make it an inclusive space and then there's mm-hmm. also like another side where it's like, no, we're also going to have this thing that's completely opposite to that yeah. at well, the same time. <laughs>
1: I've always found it like this weird thing where like, you know, you want to make it like an inclusive space and, you know, but then there's also part of me that is like, wants it to be this like elite space because, you know, like you get in, I personally got into punk because I felt like such an outsider and a weirdo and I was like trying to escape like this like jock mentality and all this stuff which is weird how I ever got into hardcore anyway. But um, you know, so like you're trying to like, it gets to a point where like punk has become and hardcore has become so popular and it becomes just like a place for people to come and party or whatever and hang around for a year or two and like whatever. But then you kind of want it to almost be like, no, these people are only here because they have the same values as me. And, you know, but it never works out that and way. So
0: punk's a party that everyone's invited to. Yeah. But not everyone has to stay.
1: Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but I kind of, I, I like, you know, and I want to talk about uh, Not Dead Yet Fest and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. When, But I, I just think this is like such a, an interesting kind of uh, thing to kind of look at that period of hardcore and punk because that period was such a a period that I was so caught up in and kind of like looking around and just
2: we all were right yeah. like yeah. it was it was like groupthink yeah. you know what I mean and um let me just yeah, that. no 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 I, I think I, I just think
0: no I just think at that point there were so many bands that just were free to do whatever the fuck they wanted mm-hmm. and, and and also it was getting really popular and mm-hmm, so yeah. there was like a lot of not necessarily money but attention and like mm-hmm. and credibility and cultural cachet that people were kind like,
1: I mean, kinda it was like a weird time for punk and hardcore, like it was getting like a lot of attention, but it was just, we were in that time when like, people like Abra Levine came and like yep. popularized punk fashion. She came to, to show the masses. But like popularized like, you know, like things that like skate punks and pop punk people, or like just, you know, people who went to casualty shows, like, she took that fashion, or some stylist gave her that fashion, and then it was in the mall. Mm-hmm. You could buy that stuff anywhere. Like, I remember you couldn't find skinny black jeans or whatever. You just couldn't find that there's, in a- It's like, it's just weird to be a part of that era where, like, you saw it, like, blow up. Yeah,
0: the yeah. hot topic. Yeah. We didn't even have that really in Canada, no. but it was still that kind of, like... Same sort of thing that was happening here a little bit where yeah, like, well, the mall had a punk record section. Like, yeah. that's that's awesome because it let you had access to that stuff, but then it also made it kind of like a popular thing for yeah. other people to, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, but let's move on to uh, the present day and uh, not dead yet fest. So, how did that whole thing kind of? It's your fault. Well. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> I had to move away. Uh, so, but uh, like, so yeah. So we there was the fucked up weekends.
2: Yeah. So it was like, I think really what it came down to is that like that was so much a part of what was going on here. Like, it was a really really, good, and you weren't here for this, but for, for me it was like a really cool time to like be nineteen in Toronto when all that stuff was happening, right? Like, I remember the first Halloween show at Sneaky D's, mm-hmm. the pumpkins, and then the next Halloween show was the Shark Attack weekend. Yeah. And that was what the, the that was Elmo... In, that was in the Brank, or Burlington. It was in Burlington, oh, yeah. but then there was a show at the Elmo, yeah, too. Yeah, And then, uh, uh, and I remember, like, being in the crowd, and like, they're going to bring out pumpkins again. Sure enough, they were pumpkins. <laughs> yeah. and we then, didn't wear them that time, though, Greg. We put people in the audience we'll probably (laughs) get on. Um, and then I just remember seeing pumpkins getting thrown around at one point, Uh-oh.
1: which we also also happened to not did yet, so we just copied, fucked up. But we when did the pump pumpkins? Happen at one right? of the after parties at Soy Bomb during Warthog, someone went and got a rotten pumpkin, like because it was <laughs> the fest was in November, yeah. and they just like at Soy Bomb on the skate ramp was throwing around this mushy pumpkin, and so people were slipping on the ramp like in pumpkin guts.
2: Yeah, oh, wow.
0: but
1: it was like. <laughs>
0: That's the uh, the legacy of rotting pumpkin that's on Den. That's the denus. circle of life. I remember walking out of the Elmo combo, and because I also bought baby powder to throw on people that oh, that's good. and that day, and there was just baby powder and pumpkin everywhere. And I'm like, the promoter wouldn't let me bring water in for the bands. He's like, you can't bring water. You might be sneaking in drugs in that water. Like, the, it was just like fucking nightmare. Like the book or whatever. And then at the end, I thought he was going to charge us. He's like, looks like people sure had fun tonight. Okay. Was it Dan Burke? No, it was after him. It was the other guy that ran it for a couple oh, years know who knows. also punched out someone
2: in a band for going downstairs one time. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um,
1: so basically, fucked up weekend. And yeah.
2: You, there was, like, that one year where there wasn't... A, a, there wasn't... That well, one. but, like, then... then But then there was... After the shark attack year, there was, like, the first time it was, like, a weekend. And that was, like, the inmates came... Dropped in. Nine Shocks Terror. Yeah, that was uh, the one you came to. No, I well, came
1: to uh, Chrome Eggs. That was that year? What, no, that Chrome was next year. year. No,
2: that was... That was...
1: The last
0: year. Two years, years, years after.
2: Year. Yeah. Because... So that was two years after. And... But, so it was... I've... I've been asked to recite this history before, so I I remember it greatly. But it's like, 2006 was the first year that it was a weekend, and that was the weekend where it was, like, that was the, like, still the most best one. I think that's what killed me, that weekend for, like... That was the year Hidden World came out, I think, wasn't it? It was No, the
0: year came out the year before, I think. But
2: that was the year where I'm like...
0: Inmates, Night Shocks, Terror, and Drop Dead—like those are my favorite bands. And yeah, I got to see them all in yeah. one sitting, and it was like I don't know how I could put on this thing or yeah. how put this on anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. And it was like so that the year after that was like Homo Stupid, Double Negative, Direct Control was supposed to play—they didn't. Yeah, they didn't play. Um, and then I forget who else happened that year. And then 2008, I don't remember who played 2008. And then 2009.
1: Why are you saying
2: an <laughs> Because I think he this knows. is like I don't
0: at all. I'm like sure. I, I find like my memory's gotten a lot better since I got off those anti-anxiety pills. But that period where I was like straight engine on those pills, I'm just like you could be telling. You could be like, yeah, there's that time that you guys played and you brought some 41 out on stage and you guys
2: yeah. did a Chroma song. This weirdly weird tangent. Oh, great. No, this is funny. This is funny. This is what this podcast is about. So the the, the, the Billy Talent thing, you know the Billy Talent beef, beef, obviously. Uh, Anyways. Zoya had beef with them. Everyone had beef. Well, yeah, because that was the same beef. She thinks the same same song about
0: them. It was the same beef. Yeah, and that was the same beef that we were apparently mentioned in that beef song, too. But then we were told very... Clearly, no, it's not you guys. So
2: are, really nice around this is this is all the same weird era because I filmed the 2007. Movie. Yeah, that's right. The DVD. Yes, and I I filmed. I was filming a ton of shit around that time, and that's why I think you were. I thought you were doing shows, but you were filming. Tons I was of filming a ton shows. of shit, and I. Uh, so there was. I was like with Alexis on Fire, I guess, or something, like working, and it was backstage at. The Reverb, and I have footage somewhere of you shaking hands and with, with the guys from Billy Talent ben. after the beef ended.
0: <laughs> yeah, when he came up, he's like, Hey man, I don't know where you heard it. Because everyone's like, They're gonna fight you.
2: And I'm like,
1: <laughs> okay. That guy's got weapons in his
0: hand. And then and the other, but they're like, That they're, they're like, The bass player's like a hard ass dude. And I'm like, Okay, so we, I go to that show, and I'm like, I'm gonna get jumped by Billy Tell <laughs> what the same moment but then he came up and he's like hey man I just want you to know that song's not about you at all I swear to god and I'm like wow that was not what I expected to happen <laughs> if only all beefs could end this pleasantly
1: it's not enough local band beef these days
2: no 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 <laughs> man, it's better than yeah it <laughs> no, provided some entertainment
1: but anyway so not dead yet started started 2011
2: and it was just like there felt kind of like there was a gap. Mm -hmm. It was, it was. I don't know, that's kind of like the thing we always say is that, like, it sucked to not have a thing. But it was also perfectly timed for that, as you say, the second, the next scene. Yeah.
0: The ascension of Not Dead Yet Fest is the ascension of the next scene.
2: Yeah, it was like I had been doing shows in the city for, like, four or five years at that point. Like, like even the 2009 thing, like, Pesci and I booked most of that one, I think. And then uh, it was just like, I want to do a thing again. If there's not going to be a thing, let's do a thing. And And then it was like... Who could we get?
1: It was like, who should we get? Who do we like? And he's like, here's who I want to play. And then I gave him some contacts for some bands. And then by that, I just inserted myself into helping book the best. (laughs) And like, I gave you these email addresses. Now I'm also co-booking this. But then...
2: Yeah, but then, like, we started actually living together not long after the first festival. Yeah,
1: so we became Not Dead Yet Headquarters. headquarters.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so this is, yeah. Then it was, then it was just like, it was then it's just become, like, this thing that we keep doing. But
1: I think eventually we do have to, like, fuck up, pass the torch for Not Dead Yet to happen. It does eventually have to be passed on to, like, yeah. someone else. It's like this weird, it. like,
2: <laughs> quasi, like, I don't know, being like you're not that much older than us right like 4 or 5 years well now. actually I'm only 28 so <laughs> you okay. old asses have been talking <laughs> this whole time like, holy shit these people are old all... <laughs> but it's like uh, I think it was Callahan that once said to me that like punk years are like dog years yeah
1: no that was me actually was it you? Yeah, and what I said was hardcore girl years or like dog years. So if you've been survive, if you've survived going to show for like it's like three times the amount of regular. I don't
2: course. know if you've we've ever talked about hardcore girl years.
1: This is, I made that up. Stop stealing my shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right,
2: fine.
0: Well, I'm taking, uh, then I'm gonna take. Uh, no, I can't take amazing core, but I definitely was there when that conversation was. The uh, amazing core. Yeah.
1: What about Stadium crust?
0: Stadium Crust I was on the message board When that was conceived yeah. Mysterious um, Guy Hardcore Mysterious Guy Hardcore I was not privy To that being formed Because I think uh, That was an MRR thing I That think. was an MRR thing yeah. And someone told me That we were One of the bands That was the proto Mysterious yeah, I
2: feel like you're proto Mysterious Guy Hardcore Mysterious Guy Hardcore That's what I've been told Yeah
0: hmm. I think Sexvid Took that ball and ran With it
2: Yeah they really did But um, Like I think it was like They really intended To be mysterious Yeah but if there were like more, like, <laughs> and to be honest, there are definitely
0: freakier people <laughs> in some cases. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, you're right. Like, is there, like, this year's probably gonna be the biggest one yet, right? Like, it's smaller than last year. Weirdly. Like,
1: what do you mean by, what are you defining as big? Yeah, just I mean, like, like, like scope.
2: It? I mean, like, the scope of the bands that you have this year are like, you know. I think I so I mean I, it's to the point now where we've been doing it so long that we like I can get nostalgic for certain years yeah. which is like maybe a sign that it should come to its end soon but like year four to me was like the the best year in terms of like the cross section that we had like that year was like forward played war cry played cold world played Markmen men played yeah. perfect pussy played and that's like kind of hands in all of the worlds of stuff that we've always sort of booked and it was like the best cross section of that like so I but this year and that year I think was like the biggest craziest one because like almost every show sold out it was wild and then last year we kind of like reset the priorities a bit but also tried to keep it big and it just like didn't we weren't happy with how it went there are parts of it that were great, and those are the parts we're trying to preserve this year. So. Maybe I like. I think this one will
0: be probably the most spotlighted. Is that fair to say? Because like the bands, like certainly styling gloss.
2: I think there's an element of like the hardcore world kind of catching up to the vibe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it. I, I like. It's, I mean.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't think this year's the biggest year. I think like I don't. Know. I, like the the people, people that are
0: talking to me about it I think, from outside of the world. Yeah. It's. More than any ever. Before.
2: That's correct. Like yeah,
1: and I guess I mean that comes with any fest being around for a while, right? Like yeah. Eventually, like. Yeah,
2: know? but it's like you look at you I look mean, at what's going on. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. You you look at what's going on in like hardcore punk, not just locally, but like internationally right now, and there's definitely like with bands like Gloss and um, like there's just there's just people are fighting for, like, pure disgust. People are, like, creating space for themselves and creating more visibility. And it's something that, like, when we did the first one, we absolutely didn't think about it. Like, the first one, the first two. And then you realize, like, when you're booking a thing, you're like, hey, people care about this. Let's create more space for stuff. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: But it's not even just like, oh, let's create space for diversity. This and that, like, these bands are fucking awesome. Yeah. And it's just a product of this time now that bands feel comfortable, like diverse bands feel comfortable being in bands and are there and are making amazing music and then of course we're going to book these awesome I, bands
2: I think that this touches on and you can disagree, with, I know you will disagree with me if you disagree but we hate tokenism yeah like to, and there, I think as like this stuff happens it's like, like I think that you look at the bands that play this year you look at the bands that have played any years They're all fucking good punk bands. And that's always been the most important thing. And it always bums me out to hear, like, oh, we can't ask a band like Gloss to play this show because their fans are going to, like, not like it. It's like, fuck that. It's like, no, they're a hardcore band. They want to play to hardcore kids. And that's who they want to expose to their message. Like, that's who they are. Mm. Like, don't, like, and so for me, it's like, let's, that's why the turnstile Gloss thing to me is so cool because it's like, you have these two bands that are like co-signing on each other, you know what I mean? And they both are keen to play with each other. I think that's really cool. And I think you also have like, you know, you know, outside of like,
0: you know, it's probably the two biggest DIY bands at this point playing together. Two you styles
2: Roadrunner Records.
0: Are they Roadrunner Records now? They've since signed to Roadrunner Records. Yeah. Whoa,
2: that's uh, extreme! Roadrunner, Roadrunner, 100 miles an hour. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, it's one of those things where. It, that's always been like the weird line to walk. It's like, where does DIY really stop, right? It's like, well, yeah. well, Roadrunner Records is definitely not DIY. But the reality is, is that when it came down to like booking Turnstile, it was like talking to my friends and being like, "This is the plan. This is what we want to happen."
0: I think that also speaks to where they are as a band, yeah. right? Like they're like at that point where they're that big, where yeah. these labels are taking notice, and yeah. loss has got record of the year and Pitchfork and all this yeah. kind of crazy stuff. like. But
2: I mean, it should be record of the year. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. Like, That's it's like, no, and I'm not saying that you're implying that it shouldn't be, but it's like, it, it sounds silly, but it kind of captured the zeitgeist a bit. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like, that band...
1: I mean, it makes total sense for me for Gloss to play. Like when I met the singer of Gloss, Sadie, she was like, "I really, I recognize is- you from somewhere," and I was like, "Oh, what? Where are you from originally? Like, I don't know, like." And she's like, "Oh yeah, like I grew up in Massachusetts." I was like, "Well, I spent a lot of my younger years like going to shows in Massachusetts or whatever." She's like, "That's right. I would see you moshing at shows in like Haverhill, Massachusetts." And I was like, "That is so weird." Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, but that's so. I think now you can both concede to my point that this will have the single biggest show in Not Dead Yet history, potentially. Potentially, potentially yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, I, I th- and I mean, and it's not like. Japanese bands coming in, yeah. it's like these are bands that have come through the scene and gather yeah. are at this point.
1: The biggest shows in the past that have happened, or like the most bodies at a show, are the after parties. Which I don't think you've ever been to because you would have an anxiety attack.
2: I'd be embedded I'm like this close to happening (laughs) yeah Yeah. I think
1: this was like 400 people packed into Soy Bomb which is just a loft space with a skate ramp nope that's terrifying and (laughs) people like on the roof and then trying to come down this little tiny ladder to escape and then like
2: we used to do those shows for like five bucks and then, like, people would hop trains just to, like, go to this. They're like, it's gonna be a big punk show. Yeah. It's five bucks, like, word spreads. They that's chaos there. and chaoses, too. Oh, right? yeah. That's yeah. what it was like there, too. And then, but then, people like, a fight up. breaks out, and you have 400 people and no room to move, yeah. and you have, like, fucking 30 hardcore kids just, like, cowardly raining punches on some oogle and then trying to throw them down the stairs.
1: Or clown. One time there was, was a, a clown, clown with a knife. <laughs> Was Pennywise showing up? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, but the thing is, is that because after party and it's so bomb, it's like after hours and people would just be like, yeah, like oh whatever, party. let's go party." party. Um, but people would end up skipping the the headliner yeah. of the fest, like they skip like forward to go line up to get so into standard, the thing. That's yeah. what
0: it kind of became like when we did that inmates yeah. nine shocks. You yeah, know, that was like the thing where, and I think it's because and this always competes with shows, people just want to, there's like party. a party. Yeah. And like, you could have the best show ever, yeah. but there's a party? People yeah. oh, want to go to the
1: party, exactly.
0: yeah.
1: Best part about the, cl- the clown beef at the party is that he's not the one who had the knife, I'm getting this mixed up, but he was like getting in people's faces and it was like aggression. <laughs> but then by the end of the night, jock club DJ like was DJing like electronic music after all the bands had played and the clown came back and was just dancing, dancing. like all the <laughs> and he was in a red terrycloth tracksuit and full clown makeup
2: wow at like 4.30 in the morning in yeah. the skate ramp yeah. and that's why, that's
1: I think where that's where, where the term dank was born
2: yeah, <laughs> probably that's it's
0: <laughs> like the dankest meme brought to life yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you guys and I all have to get up early tomorrow morning. <laughs> yes. So, but this has been incredible. Thank you both for sitting down. I want to do separate ones next time. But
2: thought
0: it's been so long in making that we have to talk about not dead yet with this show. Thank you both of you for coming on the show. Charday and Greg, of course, hey, are putting on awesome. not dead no yet fest and if you. Yeah are anywhere near Toronto or have the ability to travel to Toronto and want to go to an incredible festival. They're not paying me to do this. Trust me. And visit an incredible city. Go and check out Toronto's Not Dead Yet Fest coming up because it... Like, just go look at the lineup. The lineup is ridiculous. We talked a little bit about some of the bands playing, but there's something for everyone. It's like it's like the circus of DIY punk. Something for everyone. If you don't like the, the Lion Tamer, stay for the... Uh, The crust. If you don't like the crust, stay for the uh, 82 style hardcore. If you don't like the 82 style, you know, so on, so on, so on. There's everything's covered. Something for everyone, and uh, yeah, it's a great time. And they will be back for more. Part two, part three, separately. You know, oh my gosh, we got big things planned in the future, but that's all down the line. Now, next week on the show. Next week on the show, it is someone that I've wanted to have on for a long time. So it took a little bit of convincing to come on, but my god is it worth it. This one is pretty spectacular. Next week on the show from god, most of my a lot of my favorite TV shows, one of my favorite things, David Cross uh is going to be on the show talking about growing up in Atlanta, talking about, you know, life getting into comedy and and how much that intersects with kind of indie punk alternative whatever you want to classify music of the the mid to late 80s and stuff like that it's a fantastic episode please tune in next week and enjoy it subscribe to the show you know and then you'll find out when it comes out um you can also uh you know do all the other things like you know follow me on social media um that i said at the top of the show follow this on facebook subscribe to this write a review rate it Tell your friends about it. Tell your friends, hey, the guy from Mr. Show is going to be on the show next week. No, 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 not, not Better Call Saul, the other one. Yeah, no, 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 not SpongeBob SquarePants, the other one. I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, it's, it's an amazing episode, so I'm, I'm really excited about that one. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's it. I guess I'm going to see you next week. Uh, please check out Footnotes. This is going to be a fantastic Footnotes this week uh, after this episode. And, uh, yeah, everyone go out there and make your own culture because anyone can do this shit. All right, see you next week.